executive in residence in the Management and International Business Department at Loyola University, Maryland. It's my pleasure to share this interview today with Micheline Carr Gordon uh, for, uh, about her background, some of the things that she's done in her career, uh, and uh, how uh, some of that advice can be beneficial for our students. Uh, this series that we're recording is designed to give our students uh, a vicarious, if you will, sort of orientation to what life in the business world is like, as well as some pointers on how they can manage their own careers. So Micheline, thank you very much for joining us today. I really appreciate you making the time to share this, uh, share your thoughts with our students. Um, if you wouldn't mind, uh, could you briefly introduce yourself and give us a little sense of what you're currently doing so we can uh, explore that a little further in this interview? Sure. Uh, firstly, thank you for having me. Um, I am honored to be uh, taking part in these interviews. As Dr. L mentioned, my name is Micheline Carr Gordon. I am a proud member of the class, undergraduate class of 2007. Um, I graduated uh, summa cum laude with uh, international business as my concentration. I also double majored in French. I have about 15 years coming up, which sounds crazy, 15 years experience. It, uh, working fast, in the, it? it does, <laughs> working in the project management um, career path, but specifically geared towards healthcare. The first 12 years of my experience spent in an international setting, working for an interna international healthcare consulting organization, um, Johns Hopkins Medicine International, and now working domestically with another large healthcare organization, uh, Bon Secours Mercy Health. All right. Well, thank you for that introduction. That's uh leaves us a lot to talk about. You've got a tremendous amount of international experience and I think it's really gonna be interesting for our students. Uh, you know, as you know, uh, the management and international business department kind of looks at two different majors, right? And international business is an important one. But a number of our students have actually uh, felt uh, a lot of uh, concern this year uh, because of the COVID pandemic uh, for a study abroad programs were canceled. I know that you did a full study abroad program, so you kind of understand what they're missing. And they're not completely sure what exactly, you know, they're going to do to try to substitute for that experience, right? Yeah. So um, one of the things that I was hoping you could talk about is maybe, uh, you know, some of the experiences you've had and, you know, what they should be thinking about in terms of uh, an international business experience. And let, let me start there and then maybe we can sort of divert the conversation into areas such as, you know, what can they be doing now? But let's just talk a little bit about what, you know, what types of things that uh, they, they might be, you know, unfortunately missing from that experience that, that they need to try to figure out how to compensate for. That's tough. So it really depends on the study abroad program and what your goals are for study abroad. So mm -hmm. my personal goals were I wanted to come back fluent. I was French double major um, and I wanted to uh, have a better grasp of what it's like to do business in France, because for a time I thought, hey, that would be really cool if I worked for a company that was French based or had French ties um, and I could, you know, work for Nestle or something like that. Yeah, that did not happen, but that's OK. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So if you're it never if you're, does, it never, yeah, does. It never does. But if your goal is to be fluent in your, the second language that you're studying, um, you know, one of the things that you can do, which is, is challenging, one of the things you get 
when you do study abroad is that people are constantly speaking that language around you. So even when you don't want to be speaking that language and your brain is really tired of trying to translate and put sentences together, you're still getting pelted with all of this just language and grammar and slang and music um, that's happening around you. So you just end up absorbing some of it naturally. We don't have that environment here. Most people are going to speak English around you most of the time. <clears throat> what I could suggest, um, which I still do now, is listening to music. I discovered this artist when I was studying abroad um, who I really enjoy and still listen to his music. So I stream on Pandora. Um, you can find different artists in the, the world music genre. You can search for artists and who speak whatever language and they have music out in that language. Um, music is one of those things that are really challenging because even in English, they tend to swallow words or syllables or do certain contractions that you wouldn't do in everyday speech. But that actually forces you to listen harder to what they're saying. Um, mm. And of course, you can look up the lyrics too to help you to make sure that you're understanding exactly what they're trying to express. But I found listening to music really, really helpful. The other thing um, that you will probably not get a lot of is print media. So when I studied abroad, I read the newspaper every day. I read magazines. I mean, obviously books are printed in French. Signs, street signs, everything is in the French language. The internet's a wonderful thing. You can look up newspapers in those other languages in the country you are going to study abroad and see what's important. Um, and they also have different political parties. So you're gonna get a flavor for the politics in those areas as well. You can see what's important, what's going on in society. What are the hot button issues of the day? What are some of the mundane things that people um, still like to read about and, and hold near and dear that tells you a lot about a culture and a people and what they value and how they see something, um, which is very informative and something that you would get if you were actually studying abroad. Again, it's a little harder because you're doing it all on your own and you're not getting sort of these passive messages all the time You're being a little bit more proactive. But those are two solid things that I could think of that should get you some of that experience. Um, and then again, if you're, again, if your goal is to be fluent, we have a modern languages department. So as you're pushing yourself to listen to these lyrics and read these new things, connect with your modern languages department professors. They'd be more than happy to help you through some of these. They would probably be thrilled that you're taking an extra outside interest in some yeah. of these things as well. So although that's outside of the business school, that's resources that are right at your fingertips that can help you. You can still go to the study abroad office and talk to them about the experiences of past students and um, stories that they've heard. When you come back from, an, from a study abroad trip, especially a, a year long program like what I did, they interview you and they talk to you about your experience and what you learned and how you learned it. I'm sure they have a catalog of experiences that they'd be willing to share. I don't know if any of them are recorded, but at least anecdotally, perhaps you could sit down or do a phone interview or something like that um, to get a, a flavor of the types of things that you would have learned had you been able to physically go. Yeah, you know, you you've actually identified something which I don't think has been stated in any of these other interviews we've done, in that the study abroad program uh, connects our students with the social aspects of the culture, and and you have to appreciate, unlike you, I think a lot of our students go without you know the idea of 
studying in that fluency. language, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, without the idea of fluency. In fact, they take their classes in English and probably with a number of other, you know, English, English speaking, speaking students. yeah, that's the yeah, majority. maybe even other Loyola students. So uh, they're missing that aspect. But but you talked about sort of the social aspects, and then of course there's the business aspects, which I think most study abroad programs rarely touch on, right? And so, you know, and if you're an international business major, you know, those are like, like two sides of the coin. So it, it seems to me that what uh, a lot of our students are missing is that cultural exposure um, and familiarity, even if they're going to do business in other countries, at least sensitizing them, kind of raising their cultural intelligence. But, but they're not necessarily missing international business experience, it sounds like. Correct, correct. So study abroad um, through your undergrad program is, is all about cultural immersion. Now, it is a rare student. I tried to do this. It was not a thing when I was going there. I tried to get an internship while I was studying abroad. At the time, it was not allowed. Several years later, I had heard of one student, I can't remember their name, but I had heard of one student who managed to cobble together an international business experience for themselves while they were studying abroad. That's not the norm. The point of the study abroad program is that cultural immersion piece. Yeah. So whether you're taking your classes in English or you're taking your classes in a foreign language, which I always advocate for the foreign language, but you know, again, depends on your goals, you're still in that space. You're around other people in the culture. Yes, you're around students who are perhaps speaking English around other Loyalist students. You still have to go out in the community to grocery shop. You still have to pay your rent. You still have to walk down the street and, oh, I have to find a bathroom. How do I find a bathroom? You still have to function in society. So that study abroad program is really about teaching yourself how to function in a space where you are the outsider. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah. that I don't think a lot of students think about that. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to have fun. And you will have fun. But the whole point is you learning to follow the rules of a different place, you learning to learn um, cultural sensitivity in a different place, you being respectful of people in a different place. Um, so it's, there are a variety of ways to get that. The easiest and the most fun is actually being there, but there are other things we can do, such as the reading, such as the music, such as talking to your modern languages department, maybe even asking the study abroad um, office if you know, the school I was going to attend while I was there, can they connect me to a pen pal? Maybe I get a pen pal from there and I start mm -hmm. Zooming with them or writing them or something that gives me some kind of buddy system connection, yeah. um, which actually may even end up being more meaningful because you may make a lifelong friendship in that regard. Yeah, you know, you know, I, things I, like that, that. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I've often, I've often told students that, um, you know, even domestically here, if you go to a Vietnamese restaurant, it's likely run by Vietnamese immigrants. And uh, maybe you should just have conversations with them, understand what life is like Vietnam and you know what cultural differences they notice. So uh, I think we, we've talked you know, it, uh, a lot of interesting things about the cultural side. Uh, assuming that our business, international business majors really wanna go into business, I know you've had a lot of experience in that. What are some of the differences they might expect in terms of being an international business as opposed to say being in domestic business, right? Um, so differences between international business work and domestic work. Well, one of the most glaring things that will smack you in the face when you start international work is the time zone difference yeah. <laughs> between oh boy, yeah. wherever it is that you're assigned to. Now, 
some people working domestically may end up getting assigned to California and you'll get a taste because that's three hours difference. But Middle East is anywhere, depending on which country you're working with, seven to nine hours, also depending on the time of year, because we fall back at a different time than they fall back. We spring forward at a different time than they spring forward. Some countries don't do that at all. So it's this hodgepodge of matching up calendars. Um, I will say you use tools at your disposal. So Outlook um, has a really nice function where you can display dual time zones. You can only choose one though. So it depends on, you know, again, what country you're working with, if all the countries you work with fall in the same time zone, or again, Middle East, three different countries, three different, three different times, depending on the time of the year. So that can help you, but it can only get you so far. So the time zone is going to be the first one. The second one might be the days of the week that you actually work. So again, Middle East and Africa, work week for the countries I worked with, Sunday to Thursday. Well, we don't work on Saturday and Sunday, which means the only days we overlap are like Monday through Wednesday <laughs> or yeah. Monday through Thursday. So, you know, it, you have to be like, okay, well, if I send this email and I'm sending it late on a Thursday, I'm probably not going to get a response till Sunday, which means I'm not going to see it till Monday. Is that going to be too late? Do I need a more immediate response? If I need a more immediate response, who do I go to for the more immediate response? So you, you have that extra layer of decision tree um, making that you have to go through to, to make sure you're getting information that you need to perform your job function. And they're getting information that they need on their side, on the flip side, in a timely manner to do their part as well. Um, then there's holidays. So big holiday time in the Middle East is Ramadan. Ramadan is not a one and done holiday. It is a month long holiday from sunup to sundown. Um, and the workday gets shorter. So they may work, you know, seven or 8am or maybe even 9am to 2pm their time. That means your sleep when their workday is finishing. So you may only overlap for 30 minutes. So in that 30 minutes, you have to be succinct. You have to communicate what you need very clearly um, and vice versa. So there's a lot to, to work with and maneuver. Um, it, it's also values are different. So I may think, you know, this person's done an awesome job. I want to recognize them publicly during this meeting. They may hate that. That could be a personal thing. That could be a cultural thing. So, it, you know, you have to learn your team learn your team's values, learn your individuals on your team, learn your individual's values. So some of those things you do domestically anyway, but you take for granted that we have shared holidays on this side. Um, even if we don't all celebrate all the holidays that are recognized here, we recognize that those holidays are here and we know, you know about them and, and, and whatnot. So there's some layering there. Um, also, again, Middle East perspective, doing business as a woman is fairly different than if you were a man, um, especially a middle-aged Caucasian male gets highest respect. Look to him for decision-making. Whereas you may be the, the person who's doing all the analysis and have all the data, they may look to your colleague who you're traveling with and may not even notice you're there. Um, that's not every single meeting, that's not every single place, but I've had that experience where, you know, they look to the oldest male in the group and that's the person who is going to be the decision maker for this trip. I've equally been in meetings where I get asked my opinion. So it really just depends and you have to read the situation and understand where you are um, and understand the people that you're working with. I always enjoy talking to you and I think this was a, 
uh, a great, uh, a, a lot of great nuggets for our students to take away. So thank you very much for sharing your thoughts on dealing, uh, dealing with life and business in the international world. <laughs> Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you.